Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Root podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to You Do Woo. Happy Wednesday, if you are listening to this in real time. Happy whatever day, depending on where you are in the world and when you're listening to this. I know a lot of y'all who are new to the podcast go and binge old episodes, and I love it, and I'm here for it, and I do that with my favorite podcast. So please do. Please don't judge me for some of the old ones. I used to not have a producer, and I used to not edit my podcast, and you will hear that. But the past year and a half or so, I have had good production and it's a little bit more professional and just continuing to work on that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being a loyal fan of You Do Woo. I appreciate it. And I love that you're listening and I love that you share these episodes. That is how this show grows and it's able to help so many people. Today, we have a good topic today. I will say if you are somebody who has never drank alcohol and just or has not drank in a really long time and has zero desire for it, maybe this episode isn't for you. But if you still want to listen, you can, because it might be something that you want to share with a friend or family member. But I know for, I think most of my listeners are very similar to me, where they either alcohol has been a big part of their life in the past or is still, or maybe you're sober curious. Um, I am now not a partaker in alcohol, but I have been a lot in the past. I was definitely a party girl. (laughs) You'll hear a lot of my story in today's episode. And it's really interesting because so before you decide not to listen, because you don't want to hear about cutting alcohol out of your life or sober curious anything, I will say a couple different things. One, I truly, truly believe that with the change in humans, the evolution of humans becoming more spiritual, becoming more sensitive and more in tune with their bodies. If you listened to last week's episode, I talked about this. We are going to have less and less people being able to drink alcohol. It is either going to be something that you will you will personally experience this where in the coming years, your body is going to start rejecting it. It's going to see it as a poison, even in very small amounts. Or it's going to be something where you, maybe as you're drinking it, it's fine and how it always has been. But then the next day, you're not able to go on with regular life like maybe you were in your 20s or 30s or 40s or in the past, no matter how old you are in the past few years. Our bodies, our cellular DNA is changing at a very rapid pace and will continue to. And so this is going to be something you might you might not listen to this right now, but you might come back to it in six months or a year or two years. Um, this is one download that I have had in the past for sure, but really, really intensely in the past few months is that alcohol is sort of the new cigarettes in 10 years, a very, very small percentage of the human population is going to be drinking alcohol. It's going to be very taboo. And if you want to keep doing it, that's cool. Everybody's going to be sort of different as far as their timeline and when is correct for them to start. But if you want to be a front runner, and if you consider yourself a leader, and if you consider yourself someone who likes to be a rebel, then join us, those of us who are part of the sober curious movement or the not drinking anymore movement, or just take a break and see how it makes you feel and see the difference. Because it might be different than if you took a break 
three months ago or six months ago or five years ago. Today's episode is really good. It is with my friend Annie Graft. It's really interesting because we connected several years ago. I think we connected while I was taking a year-long break from alcohol, and she was not. She was, I, I don't know that she was even sober curious at that time, but she shares her story. It is so good and so interesting. You might have similar stories, you might resonate with her story, or you might know somebody who does. Please share this episode. Please listen. Please absorb it. DM me. Let me know if you have any questions. The amount of texts, DMs, emails that I've received even in just the past week about women wanting to take a look at their relationship with alcohol is astonishing. I don't know if it was dry January being a thing and just being out there on social media and talked about and all that kind of stuff, or if it's just a spiritual awakening that the human race is having right now, since we're almost to 2027, but it's going to become a topic that is talked about more and more and more. If you are, especially if you are someone who is really taking a look at the information that we have been sold <laughs> as a society, as a culture, um, alcohol is one of those that is right on up there with, um, you know, the farm, big pharma, the pharmaceutical companies. And it's, it's just really interesting. It is something that definitely looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is one thing that definitely kept me in the matrix that definitely kept me sort of slightly numbed down all the time. Even if I only drank, you know, one drink or two drinks a week, it takes 10 days for it to get out of your system. So I always was slightly numb to everything going on. I always didn't have a direct line to God because I was, there was some level of alcohol in my system. And it's just really, really interesting to like look, go back and look at that. So, most people are going to stop drinking in the next decade. Do you want to start thinking about doing that now? Or do you want to wait till 2037 to do it and have have some regret about not quitting sooner? I know I'd, I mean, man, Annie is in her 20s. And I'm like, Lord, if I would have, if I would have cut alcohol out of my life in my 20s, I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine like how my, my life is already awesome, but I can't imagine how much more awesome it would the past 15 years would have been the past 20 years would have been. I it's just I try I'm not I know that so I'm a six two. So part of that was experimenting and it just was going to be the way it was, you know, so I'm not trying to have too much regret or shame or guilt. But I know that quitting drinking now instead of at age 41 or 42 or 50. I'm going to have zero regrets about that. So if you're somebody who looks back and the last 10, 20, 30 years of your life, you could say that cutting out alcohol wouldn't have made a single difference in your life, then maybe this episode's not for you. If you look back in the last 10, 20, 30 years of your life, if you would have cut out alcohol, you could see how much closer to God you would be now, how maybe you would weigh less, maybe you would have less inflammation in your body, maybe you would have better skin, maybe you would have a better working brain, maybe you would have a better marriage, maybe you would be a better parent. If any of those apply to you, listen in. Also go back and listen to some of my other episodes about this. Allison Canavan and I talked about this a few weeks back, so go listen to that episode. In 2021 and 2022, I did several episodes about my relationship with alcohol and interviewing other people who were sober curious or took breaks or just cut it out completely. This is going to be something that's going to keep coming into your circle of influence, and it'll be happening more and more and more because we are not meant to be imbibing alcohol. And that's not coming from a place of judgment. <laughs> you, If you know me, you know that's not coming from a place of judgment because I used to love my wine or 
any kind of alcohol. I used to love it. It was one of my best friends, which is sort of sad looking back. But um, now that I broke up with it, life is a lot better. And I didn't do it from a place of white knuckling it or just cold turkey. I did it from a place of like an actual spiritual awakening where God was like, you're done. Like, this is not for you anymore. <laughs> like, it's not going to work out. And I think it just took playing around with it for decades to finally realize that the only way it was going to not be in my life anymore was praying for the desire to be removed, which it did. And I'm very grateful for that. So listen in, let me know how you like this. Please share this far and wide. Share it on your Facebook, share it on your Instagram. You do woos not on Facebook, but we are on Instagram. So tag me when you share it. And I hope this helps you as you are on your journey to evolving and being closer to our creator. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm so pumped for today. My friend, Annie Graft, is here to talk with y'all today. And it's sort of divine timing because I think that we both lived in Dallas at the same time. I don't think we ever met up in person, but we were sort of figuring out a time to do a pod swap. And it just never worked out. Like you were traveling a ton and I was momming and it was, it was just sort of a crazy time. And I think it was also a little bit covid time. And I'm so excited that it didn't happen until now because we were talking about something today that we wouldn't have talked about at that point, probably, which is just nuts. Annie is going to be sharing with you guys a little bit about her relationship with alcohol and her sober curious journey and alcohol free journey. Now, I will tell you guys, just listen to this podcast episode. If the idea of taking even a day off from drinking or taking an extended period of time off for, from drinking is like something you can't even put through your head right now because of whatever you're going through in life and this is the way that you're dealing with it, please just listen to this. Just listen through. Both of us and our relationships with alcohol, we have a very, um, I need to speak for myself and not for you, but a very judgment-free vibe about this. Um, if you know my story, you know that I took a whole, a little over a year off of alcohol a few years back and talked about it quite a bit and now don't drink anymore at all. Um, and I gave the full story in my episode a few weeks back with Allison Canavan, who I think is almost nine years into her alcohol-free alcohol -free journey right now, which is really cool. But I wanted to start bringing on different people every once in a while on this show to share their stories because all of us, it sort of looks a little bit different. Um, and so today we have Annie Graft, who is the founder of The Sober Experiment. And I'm gonna put both of her, she has two different Instagram handles. I'll put them below and I'll give you all some more information there too. But Annie, welcome to You Do Woo. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Honestly, just uh, we were saying before we hit record, like any any little area of this conversation, I think is serving for anybody listening to it. Um, I I know for me, before I even took action around my sober curiosity, I just wanted to hear what other people were going through and find a way to relate and find like, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in mm -hmm. feeling like alcohol is not serving me anymore, but it was scary. And so for anybody listening out there that might be in that place of, Oh, is alcohol serving me? Is this, is this good? Does it feel good? What's the next step? Like just, I hope you, you know, tune in today and I hope something reaches you in the way that you're needing to hear it today. Yay. Um, okay. So whatever I think back to my relationship with alcohol. I actually didn't start drinking till I was 18. Like, I think that I had, I tried like, you know, we went to Europe a few times when I was in high school, like with my family and I would try some wine or some beer or whatever, but really like it being a regular part of my life didn't start till like a month before high school graduation. And I remember, I mean, I could probably count on my hands the number of times I drank, you know, that that year until I got to college and that was a whole other thing. But um like 
senior year of high school and the summer after. And I remember after every single time I was like, this doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't feel good, but I just kept trucking because it's such just a conditioned part of our society and it's normal. And especially I grew up in Texas, still live in Texas, very, very big drinking culture. And it's so crazy. But at that same time, I had never experienced depression before in my whole life before that. And that was when I started experiencing depression and I didn't put the two together, like anxiety and depression off and on, not, not like intense, intense, but it was like light bits of it. And then of course it just got worse from there with the idea of joining a sorority and not that you, you can join a sorority and not drink. Like that's a possibility. I just didn't know it wasn't. And I wanted to, you know, and partying. And then I started working in the music industry and that's a big part of it. And just so on and so forth. So it wasn't until actually, I mean, that's a lie. I think at around 26 or 27, I, I just turned 40 to if, in case you don't know me yet. Um, I just turned 40 in December. And I think around 26 or 27, I started taking regular breaks. Like I would do 30 day cleanses and do like the whole 30 or, you know, like 30 days of hot yoga and I wouldn't drink. And I did that two or three times a year. So that made me feel like, hey, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I can take a 30 day break at any time and it's fine. And then fast forward to becoming a mom. So I even, even through pregnancy, I would have a little bit of wine here and there, not the first trimester. Cause I felt so bad. But after that, I probably had like half a glass of wine, like three or four times during pregnancy, but it's very different. Cause you don't really feel like drinking. It was just sort of like a thing. Um, mm -hmm. and then after I had her and COVID started, it was like, Whoa, I think I don't, you probably have some statistics like with, with all of the work that you're doing now, but I think a lot of people started drinking a lot more during COVID. So that was a huge deal for me. And I think May of 2020 or June of 2020, I was like, okay, time for another 30 day break. And I did another 30 day break. And then when I finished that, it was like, I was drinking more than ever before, more than I did in college, more than I did in my early twenties. And I was a mom, like a new mom. And I was like, this isn't okay. And around that time I was teaching human design. I had started this podcast and I was finding, and, and by then I was probably only drinking on like Friday nights and Saturday nights, but it was a decent amount, like a bottle of wine, three glasses or four glasses of wine, which four glasses of wine is a bottle of wine, you know? Yeah. Um, and I found that I couldn't do this work a day or two after drinking. So I made sure it was only on Fridays and Saturdays and it went like that for a while. And then come October or November of 2020, I was just like, I'm over this, I'm over this. And I decided I was gonna take a hundred days off and then that turned into a year. And I did a year and it was great. Um, and then I started drinking again. 2022 was probably like weekend drinking. And then 2023, this, or, I still think it's 2023. We're in 2024 now. Last year, all of 2023 was probably the least I've drank ever in my adult life ever, which was great, but I didn't put any rules on myself. So for me, it was almost like a four year process of becoming totally alcohol free. And I gave myself a lot of grace and I had a lot of slip ups and there were times where I made rules on myself that didn't feel good. And there was times that I was just like, I'm not going to make rules and I'm just going to see how it goes. And now like being alcohol free, I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to not make rules. Like there's so much, I have so much more energy, not just because of not drinking, but because of not being like, well, am I going to have one margarita tonight or five, or am I going to do this or not? Or am I not going to drink tonight, but drink tomorrow? Like, it's just so much brain energy that you don't realize that you use and yeah. it feels awesome. So anyways, that's a little bit about my really long journey, please share yours. And yeah. if it's different or similar or what? Yeah, no, I love hearing that. And again, like everyone's journey is so unique. And I think just talking about what that looked like for you and exactly you said it at the beginning, like judgment free. I think that's so important. Um, one of the biggest things that I've realized in working with people who are wanting to figure out this relationship with alcohol is that like, when we think it's supposed to look a certain way, if it doesn't look that way, we 
think we're like failing or Mm -hmm. we're missing the point or we're not getting enough out of it or we're in the wrong. Right. And I think for me, at least it's like, there, there is no right or wrong. And a big part of the sober experiment is really, truly just allowing yourself to be judgment free with yourself in that journey. Um, because the, the more we can do that, the better we can get to a place where we're like, wow, like I wasn't sitting here focusing on alcohol, alcohol, how many days has it been? You know, what am I supposed to do? Can I have one? Can I not? It's like, if we can separate our thoughts from alcohol for a time and what we do in the sober experiment is, is actually just refocus on other things. In the meantime, we kind of take it as like, Hey, we're, we're shelving this identity who was consumed with alcohol. We're shelving it. We're not throwing it away. We don't need to throw it away. We don't need to say it's bad. We don't need to say it's anything, but we're going to shelve it for a little bit. And we're going to kind of step into this new identity, play around here, experiment with life over here. That when you're consuming your thoughts with this sort of stuff, you get to a point kind of where you're like, wait, what? Like, that's no longer me. And that actually, I don't even feel drawn back to it, you know? But I think a lot of times in sobriety, people think like, well, I like, I, I can't do these sort of things or I can't do this thing or I have to like eliminate these people from my life and I have to sit here by myself on the couch counting the days. And um, it can, you know, for me, at least in the beginning of my sobriety, like that just felt so not right that that's what kind of prompted me and actually my um my co-founder my business partner Maggie Jensen to kind of develop this new approach to sobriety and um that's what we do with the sober experiment but anyway kind of going back to my own journey um my first drink um actually was at 13 and the very first time alcohol touched my lips it was a thing that um, fully consumed me, I guess, or I fully consumed it. Um, either way, it was an it was it's always been an all or nothing thing for me. Um, which uh, I, you know, I used to be be a little bit embarrassed of. You know, like wow, why am I not the person that just can have a glass of wine and be chill? Like, where's the where's the chill girly? I guess she's not here. But uh, I used to get really like. Mm, upset with myself or kind of try to be that. And it it never, it never was. So from the very first time at 13, um, that was actually, you know, if I want to be really honest, there, a very traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. um, ended up in the hospital getting my stomach pumped and, uh, a few other things happened that are, have become like, you know, benchmarks of my life looking back. But, um, anyway, from then on, it, it's really interesting hearing you share pieces of your journey where you said you knew, and you could recognize right away that it didn't, it didn't feel good afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting. Cause I looked back actually hearing you say that I was like, I don't know that I ever even like thought it, I felt bad afterward. Like, you know, I don't know why that is, but, and I'm sure, and I, I know that I didn't feel good, but it wasn't something of like, oh, the alcohol is causing me to feel this mm-hmm. way. It was like, oh my God, I'm like embarrassed and mortified or like, oh God, I saw that photo of me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't so much attach it to the alcohol. And so it, yeah, I never connected the two, which just only continued the relationship that I had, which was a very toxic relationship with alcohol. Um, and being that I was never somebody that could just do something chill, Mm -hmm. uh, meant that every time I was consuming alcohol, it was just a, a chaotic experience. Um, and so anyway, from 13 on that kind of was the trend. And, uh, you know, I had, I have amazing parents. They're so great. And I was always very, very good at school. Um, a gymnast my whole life and very high level athlete. So, you know, I, it's not like it was an everyday thing or an every weekend thing even, but it was where every time I did consume alcohol, it, like I said, it was just like a chaotic, chaotic thing. Um, and so anyway, I continued through college, uh, work, you know, kind of like what you said, college was more free, higher frequency, I guess. Um, and, and I went to the air force Academy. So, uh, you know, 
I actually almost got kicked out of school um, because I got an underage drinking little like ticket or whatever you want to call that. But um, yeah, that was traumatic. That was like a big like, whoa, oh my God, I almost like blew up my entire life because of this. But again, at the same time, like I didn't connect it that it was, you know, my relationship with alcohol. It was like, wow, how could I have gotten caught? It was like, uh-huh. how could you have like, it, the whole situation was that someone kind of ratted on a group of us, you know? And so it was like, I didn't take any ownership of that. <laughs> it was all like, how could this be be shared with the world? Like, how yeah. could you, you know, it wasn't like, wow, my actions are leading me to where I'm at now. Um, so anyway, uh continued on through my early 20s after graduating college I was active duty air force um and you know I I was I'm not somebody who's like a military girly that was not ever something I really wanted to do so being that that was like then my career you know at the time I had five year time commitment um I I hated it I hated what I was spending 10 hours of my day doing which meant that I I, I tried really hard to find enjoyment in those off hours, mm-hmm. which came with socializing, drinking, going all out, like, you know, zero to a hundred real quick. And alcohol became a staple in those, in friendships, in those like experiences, the things I looked forward to mm-hmm. now required alcohol, which I think was huge in that, like, continuation of the toxicity of my relationship with alcohol. Again, I, I'm only saying this now looking back at the time I didn't connect that it was like a negative thing. Um, but continued on. Um, I got engaged to the guy I was with and living with at the time. Um, and I was with him for five years. I ended up actually leaving that relationship, um, a few weeks before what was supposed to be my wedding date. And I say this because that was a huge catalyst for what happened next. Um, And what year was this? Just so people have like time. Yeah. So that was um, 2020, 2020, the summer of 2020 is when I um, called off the wedding. And then I was single for the first time in my adult life, essentially. Um, And not only just single, but like, actually, like, completely like just separated from what I thought was going to be my future. Um, I had this idea of what my future looked like and, and, and it wasn't going to happen. Um, very, very much like needed to happen. And obviously I, I made that decision. Um, but in the midst of that, like unknown of the future, I decided I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, be I coined not coined this phrase, but I picked up this phrase of like being a yes girl. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what, whatever the universe gives me, I'm gonna be a yes girl. I'm gonna like do all the things I said I was gonna do. I'm gonna, you know, go experience life in a way I haven't before. I'm gonna, you know, go out with the guy I had never like dated. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I went from a college relationship, military engagement. And I was like, I've never just like been in a city and like dated around, like dated multiple people, um, or met people. So anyway, in wanting to do all these new things and the fact that alcohol was now the staple on all these experiences I look forward to, it just went together, like a very toxic combination of Mm -hmm. ingredients. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this was the time that I, so I'd moved to Dallas. I, I had actually put like 90 cities in a hat, picked one. It was Dallas. Didn't know anybody there and decided, screw it. Like life's not that serious. Nothing's permanent. If I hate it, I can leave. If I love it, I can stay. And I moved there. And, um, you know, look, looking back at this chapter of my life, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just crazy how things fall together because Dallas is a very like, and maybe you'd consider it the same way, like work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. And so that's always kind of how I, how I explain it to people that have never been, but especially as somebody at the time. So I was out of the military at this point, running my own business, multiple businesses, um, very successful for the age that I was. And, um, at this point, like 
I didn't have somewhere to show up to at, you know, 8am, like nobody yep. that was counting on me. A lot of um, the processes I've I'd put in place for my business, like they could run without me physically present. And then even that, like, you know, delegating to other people on my team. So, <laughs> you know, being in Dallas, newly single, really leaning into this alcohol uh, infused craving of experiences and things. There's a lot of good restaurants and bars in Dallas. So there's lots, of, lots of opportunity yes. to go drink your face off. And I've done Literally. that too. Yeah. Any, I, I tell people, I'm like any day of the week, uh, I could find somewhere to go get fucked up. Like <laughs> at any point. Yeah. And, um, especially if like, uh, Oh, it's tomorrow's Monday morning. Like people have to work. Like, no, I don't like there's, I'm going to be another like pocket of people that are, have that same schedule as you that are out on Sunday night mm-hmm. and Monday night and Tuesday night. And like, and so it goes. So anyway, that's what I found myself in. And at the time I, I was there for it. Like I very much so was there for it and was like, well, this is what it is. Um, but it very quickly turned into something that was really toxic for me where I would wake up um, to be quite blunt, like in a bed of a guy, I had no mm. idea who it was and, you know, missing my phone, uh, completely just no purse, like just in these really scary, like honestly, life or death situations. Like I actually did a podcast, um, of my own on just some of like, I think I did like the top three funny stories. And I don't, I say funny because because I thought they were funny at the time. Like yeah. there's that honestly, like I would laugh about with my girlfriends and everyone would be like, Annie, how do you get in your, get yourself in these situations? How do you live through them? Like you're crazy. You're crazy. And it was just kind of this like badge of honor I wore for a little bit where I was like, yeah, like I'm crazy. I'm fun. I, I have stories that nobody else has. Like, and you know, it just so happened that, you know, obviously alcohol was a catalyst for that personality of me to come out and play. Um, but what I didn't tell anybody when these stories were going on was that oftentimes like waking up in these situations was so mentally un- destabilizing. Like, mm-hmm. like I found myself just being on Monday morning, like completely alone. Everyone's like off to work or off doing the things that, you know, okay, well back to routine. And, and I was, would just be like, Oh my God, is this my life? Like Mm -hmm. what the heck? (laughs) And, um, from the outside, you know, everyone's like, Oh, she's the girl that's got it together. And she's the girl that can be successful. She's a business owner. She's in fitness, like, and she's partying on her weekends and somehow she got it all together. And I put on this facade for, for a while. I think it, you know, ego has something to do with it where I didn't want anybody to know I was struggling in ways that, I didn't see anybody else struggling, you know, and that's why I share these parts of my stories because at the time, like I thought everybody else could handle their alcohol. I thought everybody else was, you know, drinking Thursday through Sunday and then just totally fine on Monday. Cause that's what I saw. And so that's what I thought I had to be. And that's what I thought. I'm like, wow, there's something wrong with me that I can't do that. But the more and more I talk about relationship with alcohol and, and hear other people's stories is it's very similar that everyone does experience that drop, right? Cause mm-hmm. that's what alcohol does, right? You, you are leaning into this increased dopamine, your excitement, this new version of yourself, this, you know, uh, more free flowing energy. And, and then you wake up the next morning and you have the brain fog, the exhaustion, the overthinking anxiety, um, low dopamine, low levels of dopamine, Mm -hmm. low levels of serotonin, just everything is kind of low. And to be honest, that's like something you can't even, you can't get around. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, wow, I thought nobody else felt that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And most people just aren't talking about it, you know? Um, so I kind of had a point where that was coming up so frequently that, I was like, gosh, like, I just hate feeling like this as much as I enjoy being the party girl and the the yes girl and the, the girl that's doing all the fun, crazy things. Like, I also just hate the repercussions of what that's, you know, giving me. Um, and so I would try things like, let me take a weekend off of drinking or let me take you do this sober October. And to be really honest, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> like, 
I couldn't. I tried sober October. I tried no alcohol in November. I tried a dry January one time. Like, I just couldn't do it. I'd make it like a few days. And I realized that so much of my life was revolving around alcohol, alcohol based uh, experiences or events. A lot of my friendships were required alcohol. Like, the conversations that we had. We're so, we're so just kind of like surface level that the only way to enjoy that was when I had a drink in my hand. Mm-hmm. And um, again, that's something that I recognize now. I didn't at the time, mm-hmm. but um, I ultimately got to a point and this was now, okay, so fast forward, a lot of that kind of up and downs. Um, I got to a point where, let's see, this is 2022. This is like November. Oh yeah, this was like, right before Halloween 2022. Mm -hmm. And I had gone out with some girlfriends. um, And what to me felt like a just a normal girl, girls night out. It was like a Thursday night. Um, I woke up and again, like nothing bad happened, but I had texts from the girls I went out with and pretty much they were like, um, we just want to let you know, like, we're worried about you and we love you, but if we don't make plans with you, it's because we just like can't continue being around that. Mm. And I was so, this was the first time that my drinking was like separating me from people, Mm -hmm. um, which actually looking, you know, looking back, it was doing it for years Mm -hmm. with people that I truly value and now have like rekindled and, you know, re- prioritize those relationships. But at the time of my drinking, I thought it was something I'm like, oh my God, like I'm this, this fun version of me. I'm this like, you know, really social me that I thought it was bringing me people to my life. So when they flat out said like, this is an issue for us sort of thing, I was like, oh my gosh. And I dealt with it. I was very defensive. I was very like confused um, and really hurt. And that, that moment it, you know, and it wasn't like a rock bottom. If you, if you would, if you would hear some of the stories that I have from my drinking days, it's surprising that this little conversation of girlfriends just being like, Hey, you know, that was the moment that I decided I needed to change and not the moment where, you know, I was kicked off an American Airlines flight or where I woke up in a motel with ex-convicts. Like those weren't like, you know, (laughs) those weren't the issue. I was like, those are funny. This though wasn't. And it really, you know, hurt my, my heartstrings. So Mm. that was the moment that I was like, you know what, like these half-assed attempts at like sober 30 days or sober weekend, like I'm kind of over that. I kind of do need to figure this out for myself. So Um, I decided that January 1st would be a, I was going to do six months and I was going to just not drink for six months. And that felt really scary for me. And again, this is like November. So I I still have two months where I was like, I'm going to plan how that's going to happen. I don't know yet. Um, And in that time, what I did was I thought back on my life and I was like, when in my life was there a time that I actually was able to stay away from alcohol for like a prolonged period of time? And the only time I could think of in my entire, like, from the age of 13 to 20, you know, what was 26, 27 at the time, was when I was prepping for a bodybuilding show um, back in 2018. And I took six months off because that was my prep. But, like, you better believe the the day after my – or the night after my show – all back in after that. So, you know, because I had no intention on making that a lifestyle or doing anything productive in that time. Like it really was just like a means to an end sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I didn't enjoy bodybuilding actually at the time, which is funny because I've come to love it. And, uh, but I was like, you know what? That was something that let me take my mind off alcohol for a period Mm -hmm. of time. What if I did that? And I really just committed to setting other goals for myself and showing up in other areas of my life and filling different like holes within myself that actually require me to stay away from alcohol Mm -hmm. rather than just stay away from alcohol and hope that I feel great. Mm -hmm. And so that is essentially, that's what I did. So starting January 1st, I was like, 
all right, let's do this. I started prep for um, a bodybuilding and bikini show and it wasn't with the intent of like winning or, or going pro or anything. I was like, you know what? I just want to focus on showing up for me every day mm-hmm. and, and working on my business, working on my mental health, working on my physical health, you know, my clients and, and all these other things that I had going on for me without alcohol. And so anyway, in doing that and really diving into like some deep inner work of rewriting internal narratives, thinking of how trauma was affecting me and, you know, leading me to act certain ways, really analyzing like the way I talked to myself and the way I saw the world and, you know, taking responsibility for certain things and just doing a lot of that like reflection and stuff. And then while of course not consuming alcohol and then also setting myself up by staying really diligent to my bodybuilding, my bikini uh, show goals. Mm-hmm. I found myself at, at that six month point being like, oh my God, like I freaking love it here. Yeah. Like, I don't miss what used to be the only things I look forward to, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, I've developed new friendships and new passions and new habits and new hobbies. And, um, I was like renovating my house and I was, uh, just doing different things and they were filling parts of me that I didn't even know were empty. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I turned, I was like, you know what, after my show, I'm not just going to go back to old ways. I'm going to keep building this new version of myself. So now it's been over a year. January 1st of 2024 was a year and uh, I had no intention of ever going back. But it's crazy. I just say like I've awoken this new version of myself that I am so thoroughly obsessed with and excited by and inspired by that the old me is just simply that it's just like a chapter that's, you know, done and in the past. And I'm so grateful for her. I'm so grateful for like being there. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no resentment or embarrassment about what my past has looked like, because I think that without it, like I wouldn't be where I'm at now. So anyway, that's that. I love it. I love love your story. Congratulations on one year. That's huge. One thing that I've heard from a lot of people who are now totally alcohol-free for years, and so I haven't, I got to this point before, but then I started drinking it again, so I don't think I've like really experienced it yet. I remember being, they say that it takes, well, first of all, it is a actual fact that it takes your body 10 days to get rid of alcohol. We think it Mm -hmm. takes like 24 hours, right? It is 10 days. Do you have anything to say about that before I go on a a small tangent about that? I mean, not, not only that, but like, like reminding your body how to prioritize the normal functions that our body's meant to perform, um, without alcohol in the picture that takes time too. And then restoring like natural dopamine levels and attaching dopamine to other activities that are not, you know, detrimental to your mental health and that lead to negative things like just rewiring your brain in that way. I mean, for me, actually, um, it took 12 weeks. It took 12 Mm -hmm. weeks to really wake up one day and be like, Oh my God, I mm-hmm. love life. Like yeah. I remember this very distinct moment where I'm driving the car after like training some clients in the morning. I was driving back home and I was just filled with this. I was like, I love the people in my life. I love my clients. I love this day. I love the sky. And I was like, I haven't yeah. felt like this just excitement for life in so long yeah. that wasn't attached to anything external of me. Yep. It was purely just my existence and and being in that moment, like, and that, that was pretty much, I think it was exactly like 12 weeks. Um, because it, it does. And when I've done the research on it is it takes our body time to reestablish those norms, reestablish, you know, processes and, and different functions of the body. So that's completely spot on. Yeah. I think, well, it is, I forget the whole research on it, but it does take 10 days for it to fully process, um, out of your liver and kidneys and all of that kind of stuff. 
And at that point, you get a little bit of a boost where you're like, ooh, this feels good. And then I think you get another boost at like 100 days, which is probably around 12 weeks or like just a little bit after that. There's like a boost. And then apparently at a year is when your um, chemistry in your brain actually is totally a clean slate. So I'm not even there yet, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, it's just it's it's almost like the if you're somebody who even only drinks one drink every weekend, that's all. And that's a pretty light drinker as far as people that I, you know, people that I know here in Texas, we know how to drink you under the table. So, but even if you're just having one alcoholic beverage each week, then that's too much for your body to recalibrate because it needs 10 days. Yeah. It's actually crazy. And even just looking from like, you know, I think a lot of people think the like mental health side of it, they're like, no, 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 no. You don't, I'm fine. Like I'm, I don't get that like down. I don't get the anxiety. Okay. Okay. Fine. If you want to be one of those people that say that you're not affected in that way, looking at it from like a nutrition fitness standpoint, um, when you consume alcohol, like you said, any amount of alcohol, your body stops processing pretty much everything. It's like, yo, there's a toxin in, in the system. We need to excrete it. We need to get it out Mm -hmm. before we can resume proper function. And so exactly like you're saying, not only like the, those 10 days, but like right then, like if you're somebody who's like, oh, I have health goals or, or gym goals or whatever, maybe you're tracking your, uh, consumption, your macros, your, your nutrition, whatever literally um and this blew my mind when i started to see just like results in the gym and in what i was doing when alcohol wasn't playing a role because when you're consuming any amount of alcohol your body it, it like it doesn't matter the um, the amount of protein you have i mean yeah okay a little bit but really truly it gets in the way of so many of our, of our natural processes and efficiencies of of our body mm-hmm. that our body is so smart like it knows how to do so much but where you're going to constantly put this toxin this like you know honestly a toxin mm-hmm. the only thing that's coming to my mind right now i know that poison like, yeah poison yeah it's like it really truly just does like shock the system it's like mm-hmm. Okay, no, sorry, proteins, sorry, like creatine, sorry, BCA, sorry, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, healthy carbs, pause. We got to get this out. Mm-hmm. So we're processing this over here. Um, and so when I really started to think about it in that way, I was like, oh, wait. Okay, so is it worth, like, is it worth the joy of like that moment that night to then for the next, yeah, a couple days or more than a couple days, stop everything else. And, um, I mean, I always tell people it's, it's worth it to give it time. And if you think in the first few days of not drinking, let's say you do like your first weekend of not drinking and that feels hard and like kind of a stretch and you're like, wow, I've never really like gone a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, fun day, like never done stood out, you know, decided to say no to all that, all of that in one weekend, um, do that. And, and just let yourself feel it. Like Mm -hmm. let yourself be in all of those emotions. I know that for me, it was like, oh my God, boredom. Oh my God. Like, do I even have any friends? My friends, I said, I didn't want to go to the plans and they said, okay. And they didn't really care. Like this, like isolation, this fear of being alone. And then like, what do I do with myself? Oh my God, like all these thoughts that come up. I I remember that being one of the most uncomfy parts of kind of the first little bit. And that was always what kind of brought me back. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can get through those, that first week of kind of like the uncomfy, I like to say, like if you can just get uncomfy for a little bit and realize that you're strong enough mentally, physically, emotionally to at least experience those things it's like, okay, I can get through that. I, you know, when I was feeling a little FOMO, I decided instead to go to a hot yoga class and to, you know, call my bestie that's across the country with kids. And so she wasn't drinking. And then I decided to watch that show on Netflix. And then I just got an early night's sleep and I woke up feeling energized. Mm-hmm. I got another, a workout in. I went for a walk. I, you know, got these things done around the house that I've constantly been putting off. Um, once you realize that you're capable of, enduring those uncomfy emotions 
and doing other things in place of it, it starts to feel like more doable. Mm-hmm. And like, you're like, wow, like I am, I am capable of this. And actually waking up feeling good feels damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just, uh, have you ever heard the phrase like stack the wins? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like stacking the wins, you know, it's like the more wins you can get stacked and piled yeah. up, the more confident you're going to be like, I have all these wins, you know, associated with not drinking that like to throw those wins away for the, okay, I'm going to just go out on a Friday. Yeah, It's like, oh, is it worth it? You know? Um, but I don't know. I think, I think it's, it is so worth it. If you're curious at all, experience it at the end of the day, like what I said in the beginning about like kind of shelving this identity, you can always reach back and be like, actually, I do want to be the drunken yes girl, party girl, social butterfly. Like I want to be okay. If you want to pick that identity back up, you totally can, but don't hold yourself back from a potentially incredible other identity that you haven't yet stepped in simply because you're scared of those like middle emotions, those middle Mm -hmm. uncomfortable emotions, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. One interesting thing that happened to me that I don't think I've shared with you is the last time that I drank, I had been praying for God to remove the desire of alcohol. I knew all of these things logically, but there was it wasn't like a physical craving necessarily. It's sort of like an emotional. Sometimes it would, I mean, if I drank the night before, then the next day I'd have a physical craving because that's the only thing that makes you feel better, right? But other than that, if I hadn't drank in a while, I didn't have a physical craving for it, but there was like a mental and emotional, I guess, like on a soul, not a soul, but like a deep level craving. And I was just, I constantly was like, God, when it's the right time, please remove this desire from me. Please remove this desire. Please, please remove this desire. And I think there were certain things he wanted me to go through and learn before he totally took it away because God could take it away tomorrow for you. It was like, it could be a true miracle. But the last time I drank, I had like two drinks, didn't feel tipsy at all, went to bed and woke up like an hour later as if I had drinking a bottle of tequila and was throwing up in the toilet and God's voice came to me. It was like my voice, but it was God. And it was like, you're done. Yeah. It goes, you're done. And it said, oh, it makes me cry. It said like 10 years from now, people aren't going to be drinking alcohol anymore. So you might Mm. as well go first, Mm. like, and enjoy this next decade. Cause it's, it's like, alcohol is going to be like cigarettes where it's just very low population. Like some people are going to still be drinking, but not very many people. Like I can count on my hands, the number of people I know who still smoke cigarettes. Like it's going to be like that in 2034. I believe it. I really do. So it's like, might as well play around with this now, go Mm -hmm. ahead and get started because the next decade of your life will be so much better. And then you don't have to deal with it in 20, 2034 or 2044, you know? It's so true. Uh, they, there's research that just came out of like this generation of people turning 21 right now. It is the lowest percentage mm-hmm. of drinkers ever. Um, yeah. People that are 21 and legally able to drink who are choosing actively to not. And I think that's beautiful. I I just like, I think that's so cool because it's just a testament to like, you know, reminding it, we have, we have the decision to not do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, like, oh, well to be socially acceptable, I have to drink, you know? No, no, you don't, you know? And I think it's just so ingrained in upbringing and past experiences and just like the formation of a habit Mm -hmm. that we start to not really understand what life would look like without it. Um, and I know that was my biggest hesitation was like, well, what will my weekends look like? What will I spend my time doing? And the biggest thing for me was like, because everything I looked forward to included alcohol, I was like, I'm going to have nothing to look forward to. Like nothing's, nothing's fun if I'm not like, you know, and the, the it's so crazy how now <laughs> I forget. I was telling my my sister something the other day, and I was like, it was something so basic. I don't know, like my lawn was getting cut or something, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited that my yeah. lawn getting cut and like everything looks so great and da da. And it was like such a simple thing, and and I sat there and I was like, two years ago, Annie would have been like 
you're getting excited about your lawn getting Mm -hmm. cut. You're such a bore. Mm -hmm. But, But from a different perspective, it's the simplest things have the opportunity to give me joy and not just like joy of like, oh, update, well, yay, I should feel excited about that. But it's like this like real feeling of like, oh, like I, that made me happy. And like that, it makes me proud that I can get someone here to do that service and that I can see my yard looking so pretty. And it's like mm-hmm. the simplest things have the ability to bring me happiness that before you know, when alcohol is a part of my life, I was constantly chasing chaos because the more alcohol that I needed to feel a certain way, it just kept building. Right. So it's like, you're constantly chasing this non-attainable happiness yeah, and it keeps building and building and building that like, it takes more for you to get that dopamine kick, like just from a natural, like, um, level, like just your body's production of it that, your body kind of stops producing it for the small things. Mm -hmm. So so that's why like right now, if you're listening to this and alcohol is a part of your life, if you're like, like it just doesn't sound fun. Like, uh, like the only thing I can think of being fun is like, you know, having a concert that I'm going to this weekend because I know all my girls are going to come over before and we're going to get drinks and we're going to look cute and then we're going to go out and who knows what's going to happen. And we're going to like see where the night takes us. And like that excitement is like the only thing that that makes you feel like, Oh, that's fun. It's like, imagine a world where the smallest things could mm-hmm. make you feel that level of excitement. And I, yeah. that's something I, I genuinely like couldn't even understand before, but now it's so clear to me. And um, it's, it's just so cool to be able to experience that level of joy, happiness, peace, abundance, gratitude in a way that like I never was able to before. Totally. That was one thing I was scared of. Um, my, I'm very, I worked in the music industry before doing this and I would always go see live music and stuff. And so that was like tied to drinking. So the Mm -hmm. first time I went to a concert, not drinking back in 2020, I was like, oh my God, is this going to be fun? And it was one of the best concerts I've Mm -hmm. ever been to in my entire life. And since then, I don't think I've drank going to see a concert. And I'm like, oh my, I was numbing myself from actually hearing certain things or feeling certain things. And I didn't realize, I thought that drinking a beer or whatever was making it all more enjoyable. No, it was more enjoyable not drinking. Yeah. Very, and that like, Anybody who knows me, the old Alice, it would be like, what? That makes no sense. But just take take it from us. Like it really, it, it is a thing. And it's, it's um, it, it happens for everybody. And I would, I do have friends who've taken like, who've given up alcohol for Lent or, you know, taken 30 days off and they're like, I did it. It was fine. Eh, seriously, you might need to do like a hundred days. Because that's really when your brain chemistry, like every cell in your body regenerates at 90 days, I think, for the most part. So at 100 days or 12 weeks, like Annie was saying, is really when you actually notice. And if you've been pregnant before and taken that whole time off, it's not the same. I will tell you, just like our hormones are sort of off. They're different when we're pregnant. And the act of not drinking isn't as enjoyable as when you're not pregnant and you're just yeah. doing it for yourself instead of for your for your baby. Yeah. I find that it's like the intention. You know, I, for mm-hmm. me in the past when I tried to take those like, you know, no alcohol November, so October, whatever, it was like I wanted to do it to get through it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just get to November 1st. Yeah. You know, and there wasn't any like I want to find, like, I want to dig deep and figure what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. within me, you know, or I want to set alcohol aside and focus on other priorities. So it was like when I would do that time off of alcohol, it was like I was still forcing myself to be this old identity just without alcohol. So I'd still go out with the same people, still do the same things. I'd just sit there and be like, no, I'm sober October, but I'm still here to party, you know, like or whatever. And I wasn't doing any other deep work or had any other deeper intention besides strictly not consuming alcohol, which is exactly what our point is in the sober experiment is to do that deep work, to set alcohol aside, do the deep work so that you can find enjoyment and fulfillment and excitement in this life that doesn't have you feeling tied back to alcohol constantly, you know? Um, because if you start, you know, if you remove alcohol with the intention of 
I want to create a lifestyle around this, or I, I want to find joy outside of alcohol, or I want to be able to go out to d- dinner with friends and not be sitting there being like, how's everyone still on their first drink? Like, mm-hmm. come on, people, you know, like, I don't want alcohol to be constantly on my mind, or I want to be able to look forward to things whether or not alcohol is a part of the the picture, I want to be able to, you know, experience X, Y, Z. So if you're thinking about eliminating alcohol, I just challenge you to don't just eliminate it and then continue on with everything else per usual, eliminate it and challenge yourself to, as we say, experiment with life. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what we do in the sober experiment. Um, because that way you're going to be able to attach excitement, joy, fulfillment, friendship, like all these positive things to experiences in life that don't have anything to do with alcohol. So that when you get to whatever that time period is that you want to step away from drinking, you're going to be like, Whoa, wait, like, I had all these new experiences that I, I never had with alcohol and I feel this certain way about myself. And now I have this new habit and this new mm-hmm. goal and this new friend group. And, you know, and when those things start to happen in your life, it starts to feel like, wow, like, wait, I can't, does alcohol even really fit anymore? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's, that's the idea. And I would just challenge you guys to, to do that. It's kind of a little bit of a deeper step into that, you know, sober curiosity, but I think to get anything deep out of it, you have to be willing to to do the extra a little bit. So anyway. Love it. And I know that the sober experiment is going to be starting in the spring again, but mm-hmm. what do you have for everybody right now if they're just sober curious and they might need some resources? What, what resources yeah. do you have for them? Yeah. So we have a few things. We have a bunch of uh, little downloadables um, that you can use or worksheets, um, reflection sheets, kind of uh, things to set you up from the mindset of like, okay, what do I need to focus on? Or what what do I even start to, de- she says deep dive or mm-hmm. de- dig on that inner work. Like, what does that mean? You know? So to just give you a little guidance there. Um, we also have, if you are curious about this over experiment, which is our 12 week live mentorship program. Um, if you're curious about that, but you don't want to wait for the spring, we have the self-paced course, um, okay. which is available. So pretty much you get access to all the recordings, all of the, the work that we do in that program, just with out the live component. So um, I do love the live component with the community and um, the guidance you get from myself and Maggie and that sort of connection. But if you're like eager to start, we have that that's available. And then a journal for anybody who's like, you know what, I just want to, I want to kind of take a smaller step, but I still want to take a step. Um, we have that available as well. So we have a, we have a good handful of things and I'll give Allison that link and hopefully you guys can check it out. Um, see what calls to you at whatever place you're at in your journey. Um, you know, I just encourage you to take that step, whatever it looks like, even if the step is just reaching out to Allison, reaching out to me, reaching out to somebody to, to feel connected in it. So you don't feel so isolated or feel so alone. Um, ask someone else's experience, ask, you know, Hey, this is what I'm going through. What, what do you think? Because just that conversation could also be beneficial too, but yeah. Yeah. Y'all pay attention because it's, it's crazy after listening to this and go follow Annie and all that kind of stuff, but you're going to start to see more and more people talking about their alcohol journey about being super curious about taking breaks more and about just giving it up for good. Cause that's just part of everybody knows. I talk about this, the new paradigm that we're walking into. That is, that is a big shift that we're really upgrading on a soul level as humans. And so when you have DNA upgrades, your body can't handle certain things anymore. So it's, that's sort of what happened to me. And you'll, you'll see over the next two, three, four years, there's going to be certain things where you're just like, I used to do that every day and I can't, I can't do it now. Like I just can't. Um, so Annie's your girl, give her a holler, give her a follow on Instagram and grab all of the links that I'm going to put in the show notes below. Let us know if you have any questions and thank you so much, Annie, for coming and sharing your story and the work you're doing. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with you. Bye, you guys. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful 
to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.